Hello, welcome back. It's the Philosopher's Stone Podcast with me, Jordan Strauss, and Sam LaFrickin' Boone. How you frickin' doing? What up? Pretty good. Drinking, drinking a nice cold glass of oat milk. Oat milk. Or oats, oats milk, as some call it. I have not. I've, I thought that was... Thought that was reserved for the uh, sixty-five plus crowd. If you know what I mean? Like the old fucks can't handle the actual lactose anymore. Yeah, well, I can't handle it either. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you are kind of an old soul trapped in a young man's body with old man problems still. Mm-hmm. Oat milk. How's that taste? Oh my god, that's amazing. Would it be blasphemy to use oat milk in your oats for breakfast? No, you can. You can actually make oat milk with oat. You can make oatmeal with oat milk. You can make overnight oats with oat milk. You just put oats and oat milk in a bowl and put it in the fridge overnight. And boom. Boom. A breakfast of champions. So I would imagine oat milk is essentially just crushed up oats with water. Um, yeah, there's some other random stuff in it that I don't know what it is. But it's like, yeah, it's pretty much oats, water. They throw a bunch of vitamins in there. Mm. It's good. It's creamy. It tastes milky. Last episode, you were drinking a Corona, and now you're drinking oat milk. If that's not the biggest sign we transitioned from summer to fall, <laughs> I don't know what is. Very yeah, excellent point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's... Well, I guess we should address uh, this. I know this is coming out next week, but we should, we should address the fact that the great Canadian comedian Norm Macdonald passed away tragically. Yes, yes, yes. I had no idea. I don't think anyone really knew he had cancer. No. That's crazy to me. Well, some people obviously knew, but I don't think it was public, was it? Definitely not. Sounds like practically nobody knew except him, maybe his doctor. You know what? I respect the hell out of him for that, for keeping that private, close to the chest, instead of, you know, there's some people out there that would have loved to bask in the sympathy. But not this mm-hmm. man, not this great man of our time. Canadian legend, yeah, but also just a legend in the game overall. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I read he didn't want uh, it to affect people's perception of his comedy. Yeah, well, yeah, I understand that. It, anytime, like, you're an artist gets sick like that, you know, it's, it becomes, like, hard for them to trust the opinions of their artwork to be genuine and not sympathetic in nature, I suppose. Mm. Not that he, anyone's going to be laughing at his stuff out of sympathy. He's one of the funniest men that ever lived. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my entire Facebook page is, an, is just, I've never seen such a huge reaction to a celebrity death, honestly, on my Facebook. I mean, I'm probably different than most people as in 90% of my <laughs> Facebook friends, friends are comedians. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, it's, a, it's crazy. Too young. Too young. 61 years old. I was like all, all this week. I've just been binging his YouTube videos. Crazy. All this week, just on by chance, you were. Yeah, just randomly. Like this week, I was on like a real Norm Macdonald kick. Like I was watching a lot of his clips. Yeah. Really, that's crazy. You know, I've been hearing some, like a guy at work today. He was like, I was just watching his special last night. Like it's pretty wild. Um, almost like his spirit left. He passed by everyone and tapped them on the nose. <laughs> Um, yeah, R.I.P., one of the greatest. R.I.P. A style that is yet to be replicated. Oh, many, many have tried. <laughs> oh, very unique. Um, yeah, it sucks. Really sucks. 
but everybody dies. Everybody dies. Everybody dies. Unless Ray Kurzweil can get his shit together. <laughs> Give us eternal life. Download me into the internet so I can make memes for 40,000 years. Yeah. I haven't heard much from him lately. I don't know. He's getting up there too. Breakers, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. He's he's on a he's on a clock. Like he has to get this done before he dies, or his whole life is meaningless. Yeah. Well, I will say, I don't know what. what have you had any uh, amazing? I have some. I have some adventures to report for my last week. Okay. Yeah. Let's 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 listen to your adventures, and then let's get into the shit for today. So I went on my first road tour. Since COVID, over the weekend, it was a, what, we leave Wednesday night, and we got back, like, at one in the morning on Sunday night, so. Oh, damn. It was a four-city tour, Kamloops, Prince George, and then two shows in Fort St. John, which is, I know it doesn't sound like a long tour, but when you live in Canada, every city is about an eight-hour drive apart from each other, (laughs) so it felt like forever. That was a long way. (laughs) A lot of road time, uh, seven comedians, all for half of it was crammed in one van. So a lot of egos, a lot of personalities. It was made for some uh, <laughs> some good conversation sometimes and some really fucking annoying conversation other times. But we all got through it. We all, all of our relationships and friendships are intact, which is good. <laughs> so uh, the, uh, I guess, I mean, the shows went off that, you know, how it is, it's, it's, you do the show, everybody goes back to the hotel and, you know, drinks and eats and talk about the show. It's a good time. Um, so we did the theater in Fort St. John, which was great. They weren't full capacity because of COVID restrictions, but it was still the biggest crowd any of us have been in front of in years. So it was pretty awesome. Crowds were great. Everybody had a great time. All the comics did great. Hell yeah. Um, but there was a local... This is probably my like the most interesting part of the trip outside of the shows being a blast. Um, there was a local in the audience in the first night who has, we were told, has a podcast, a local podcast. So <laughs> the next day he reaches out to me and uh, I got a phone call from him. We're all hung over in the hotel and he's like, hey, you guys at the show last night. You, like, Do any of you want to do my podcast? You never say no to a podcast. <laughs> You know, at uh, first, also shout out to the podcast Kevin Unscripted All right. up in Fort St. John. Check it out. Uh, so, you know, of course you want to do it, but, you know, everybody's hungover, tired. Some of them were up to like 5 a.m. Oh, my God. So a lot of us were kind of like a little hesitant to go, but it ended up me, Caleb Campbell of the Bible Beaters podcast, Randy Gerandier. Rand Dog Chronicles. I don't know if you ever met him, Sam. He's hilarious. He's a comic. I, I've seen him. I've, I saw him on a couple shows. He's really funny. Yeah, he's from Guadalupe. And uh, Zara Suleiman, oh, the yeah. local Syrian refugee comedian. We all went. The guy picked us up at the hotel, took us out to uh, Brown's for lunch. I don't know if this guy had ever hung out with comedians, but holy shit, he shouldn't have taken us somewhere so, I don't know, full of people because we had a... Uh, Half drunk Caleb and uh, Zau were getting into it over lunch. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! They weren't making a scene, but they were definitely uh, they were definitely saying some shit that I don't think a lot of the people around us were prepared to hear out loud in a restaurant. 
there's no like ambience to cover it up. Like normally I would think like a restaurant would be a safe place for that sort of. I mean, have you heard Caleb get drunk and start ranting? He's not, I don't, I don't know what kind of ambience you'd need to cover that up. Like lots of other people also talking? I don't know. It wasn't that full. It was midday. Ah, okay. So anyways, still, we're just like free lunch. This should be good. This Kevin guy seems like, you know, classic, uh, good old boy Canadian man. (laughs) We all hop in his truck. He drives us 20 minutes out of town to his like compound he has up there Uh and he's like yeah the the podcast studio is in there so we go in not only is it a it's like a decked out home gym he has in there we walk through another door and he has like a joe rogan level studio in there holy shit like the highest end you can get for podcasting the highest end i've ever seen and we're like oh shit this is legit i guess he just had a ton of money and he's like if i'm gonna do a podcast i'm gonna i'm gonna buy the right stuff so best quality so we ended up doing the podcast. Um, that went pretty good. He was actually quite insightful, which can be surprising sometimes when you get asked by a random guy who lives in the bush to do a podcast. You never know what you're going to get. Because you have stereotypes. Yeah, we were stereotyping him for <laughs> sure. And uh, he did live up to some of the stereotype of the redneck because after the podcast, he's like, you guys want to shoot some guns? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he wants us to talk about this, but sorry, Kevin, I'm talking about it. So he drives <laughs> us out into this field and he has this semi-automatic like assault rifle. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we got to shoot 30 rounds each. And then we got to shoot Tamarite, I think it's called, which is like it explodes when you shoot it. Oh, hell yeah. That's awesome. It was awesome. Yeah, it was super fun. Everybody, I think Zauer and Randy got to shoot a gun for the first time in their life. <laughs> Looks like there was the first time holding a gun, honestly, even a toy. Gun. I thought they'd be. Yeah. You should have seen Zauer. It was quite funny the way they were handling the gun at first. The, the guy was like, are you kidding me? But uh, <laughs> they figured it out and everybody got to blast off some rounds. It was really fun. And we made it back just in time for the second show where everybody destroyed. And uh, yeah, the next day we all got in the van and we were like, by the time we got back to Prince George, we were all still feeling pretty good. Oh, yeah. Left Prince George around 5.30 at night and just gunned her down to Kelowna. I think we all got back around 1.30 a.m. And uh, yeah, it was a good uh, good uh, time back on the road, road dogging it. It has been a while. <laughs> it's been a long while. And I'm looking at a map now. Like that distance you guys went from Kelowna to Fort St. John. Yeah. That's pretty much like you could have gone from San Diego all the way past San Francisco. Like you could have done all of the West Coast of California. Yeah. No, it was a lot of driving. I think it was like 24 hours of driving total. Yeah, at least. Yeah. And you know, there wasn't a whole lot of money made when you split between seven dudes, but it was still, I mean, it was for the funsies, really. Everybody had such a good time. And I think it was a couple of their first times like doing like a string of shows, like a tour. So it's good. And now it sounds like they're lifting some restrictions for us. Uh, the chosen few who have the magic pass are allowed to enjoy. So restrictions, we're going to be able to, sounds like we're going to be back at full capacity. So my fear of uh, comedy being canceled, sound, it's starting to sound like it was just a fear. And CamCom, the Kamloops Comedy Festival, shout out, Cameras Productions is still a go. So I still get to do uh, these, these shows up in October, and I'm freaking stoked. I'm freaking stoked right now, man. Woot, woot. Mm-hmm. That's fucking awesome. You are uh, you're one of the chosen few, one of the Ubermensch. Yeah. Yeah. 
So the passport thing that just started that just kicked into effect, right? Is it is it it's not there in Ontario Ontario yet, is it? Uh it's gonna be soon. Yeah. We're doing it. It's gonna be soon. Yeah. Downloaded it on my phone. So I have submitted to the will of the overlords. Mm-hmm. The general will. The will to power. Mm-hmm. That only some possess. And if anyone gives a shit. When I got home, my new drum pedal was in. So, boom. That was a double whammy of awesome. Can you do a double whammy with your drum? Well, I will say, <laughs> I got a really good deal on like one of the highest end pedals you can buy. It's the uh, Pearl Eliminator Direct Drive Demon pedal. And uh, it's the first time I've paid, like I've bought a piece of equipment for my drums where I'm actually able to do stuff I wasn't able to do before. Like it's that the technology actually like it's so responsive. There's like no latency to it. So any almost anything I can do with my foot on the just on the ground will actually translate to the kick pedal, which is nuts because usually it's like, you know, there's a little lag just based on the mechanical nature of it. But this like eliminated that uh lag. And now I just feel like I don't know if I, it's almost like cheating, but fuck it. I'm gonna be shredding. Well, I wish I could take that question back. <laughs> <laughs> all right fuck you tell me about some philosophy you goddamn asshole as soon as you started answering i was like oh i, I know exactly what i'm gonna say <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right so we're doing a special this is a special episode we're building up to our 52nd episode so this is episode 50 i think oh yeah that's a year a year yeah 52 hours of free entertainment for you pieces of shit so this is the this is a special one. Uh, this is a philosopher that I'm sure people have wanted us to cover for a long time. Very famous philosopher, maybe the most famous philosopher of all time. Uh, you know him. He was born in Prussia. He died in Weimar, Germany. He said that time was a flat circle. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Friedrich Nietzsche. <laughs> Nietzsche. Yeah, everybody loves that guy, right? Everybody loves Nietzsche. Nietzsche. The Nietzscheer. Um, yeah, tell me about them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Let's get into it. We do have an email to get to at the end. Finally, we've Finally. actually got a few emails, but we'll, we'll get, we'll pick one and do it and we'll have to, we'll have to, you know, spread them out a little bit, but it's very exciting. Very exciting to get some engagement. Very exciting times. So let's leave a little time for that at the end. Waste no more. <laughs> Hit me with the Nietzsche. All right. So the, the Nietzsche-ster was born uh, in 1844 in Prussia, which was like the dominant kingdom of Germany. And he died in the year 1900. So he didn't live that long. 56. Rough. How'd he die? He went insane and suffered a series of strokes and just died from, from strokes. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. That's a young age to have a stroke, hey? Is it, was it just because you think it was like set off by the fact that he was losing his mind and his brain was just like, I'm just going to stroke this, stroke this out? I'm just going to stroke this out. <laughs> uh, um, that's exactly what it was. His brain. That's what, that's what happens when you have a stroke. That's your what, brain that, just jerks off. That's how your brain looks. I'm just going to stroke this one out. See what happens. Yeah. So he, uh, he was like a very sickly guy his whole life. So yeah, like he was a sickly child. Never physically very healthy. Had to retire. He retired from professional work at 35 because he was always on taking sick leave. Damn. Yeah, so not, not a healthy person. And as we'll see, that seems to play a role in his outlook on the world. Pretty bleak, I'm guessing. 
Yeah, he's very, very interesting. For a guy who like couldn't really do anything physical, was mostly an invalid his whole life. He like loves like warriors and like the military and stuff like that. It's very interesting. Hmm. Maybe that's why he loved it because he he didn't have any power himself, so he he was obsessed with power, as we'll see. Right, right. But he was uh, like so many fucked up people. He was the son of a Protestant pastor, grew up in a very Christian home. And uh, he hated Christianity, which we will get to. I know someone like that. <laughs> I don't know. I don't hate it as much as, as Nietzsche hates it. Nietzsche really hates it. Oh, I was, I was referencing uh, the Bible Beater podcast host oh, okay, that okay. I was just on the road with <laughs> for six days. Oh, okay. He, uh, <laughs> I don't even know if hate's a strong enough word, honestly. All right. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You might find he has a lot uh, in common with uh, Mr. Nietzsche here. Right. We should clear up at the beginning, right? Nietzsche is often thought of as very influential on the Nazis, on Hitler. Mm. But we should clear up a little bit that Nietzsche was, in fact, not an anti-Semitic person. Mm. Or at least not as anti-Semitic as people would say. Like He, he wasn't anti-Semitic, but he also thought that Germany had enough Jews and that more should not be allowed in. So not anti-Semitic, but like, let's, yeah, we got enough. We have enough. <laughs> we filled the quota. Yeah. I don't hate the Jews. I just don't want any more of them at all. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So he didn't want to kick out the ones that were in there. He didn't want to have them executed, but he didn't want any more in. Right. And in fact, he said that he, if he could, he would have all the anti-Semites shot. Oh, damn. Yeah. Make room for more Jews. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was also not a uh, not a nationalist. In fact, he said that the concept of Deutschland, Deutschland über alles, that is the end of German philosophy. He said so. He's not a nationalist. Well, sounds pretty woke for his time and climate. <laughs> he was uh, he was woke in the sense that he was like a uh, a contrarian, very contrarian. Yeah, and people did not like him. During his lifetime, he was not a popular philosopher until he went insane. And then people started reading stuff Mm. and he became very popular right before he died. So that's the key to making it. Hey, you just got to lose your goddamn mind in public. That's like, I think that's like a good way to go. Like, I mean, people remember you when that happens. They don't forget your name when you have a public breakdown. That's true. (laughs) Uh, Nietzsche was also not a nihilist. It's another common misconception. In fact, he thought his philosophical project would put an end to nihilism. Huh. Do a lot of nihilists claim him as one of their own, do you think? Um, maybe. But they would, they, would be, they would be wrong if they thought that he was a nihilist. Hmm. He was very much against nihilism. He believed that Christianity was a nihilistic religion. Really? Yeah, which we will get into. But he did believe in this concept called eternal recurrence, where the universe basically repeats itself endlessly. The whole time is a flat circle idea. Huh. So he did believe that, and he he thought that was like a very frightening fact. But that's different than reincarnation, right? Yeah, reincarnation is based on... Reincarnation is you are born again, but the clock of the universe is not necessarily set back. Right. You are born again according to the karma that you had in this life. Whereas Nietzsche's idea is that everyone is, lives the exact same life again. Really? Okay. In this, well, endless, uh, in this endless recurrence. Yeah. Pretty depressing. <laughs> so, but nothing changes with, within that uh, 
cycle, right? The cycle repeats itself identically as it was before. Um, maybe not identically. Actually, I think he he may have. It's kind of hard to know exactly what he means, but he seems to think that the world like repeats, and maybe it re- maybe he isn't totally clear on how it repeats. Like, doesn't repeat exactly the same. Maybe every variation has to be gone through or something. So maybe it's a little bit different every time. Interesting. Anyway, okay, so I'd like I I I I don't, I, mean, I don't want to get you off the trails, but I want to know why he thinks that. Oh, why does he think that? Did he come up with that, or yeah? I think it's it's this idea that like uh, actually I don't know like how much scientific knowledge he had, but you think about it, they think that all matter was sort of condensed at one point, and then it sort of exploded in the Big Bang, and. I think the idea, if you believe that, you might think that, well, there's only one way you could arrange all of the matter in such a small place. And so after it blows up, there's really only one way that things could happen. And it's going to be the same way every time because of like de- of determinism. Okay. Well, I'll take that. Yeah. That could be like another, that should be like another whole episode, that whole idea of uh, endless recurrence. Yeah. Or e- eternal return. Whatever people say time is a flat circle, I pretend I know what the hell that means, but I really have no idea. You mean a disc? Do you mean it's a disc? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I don't know why he thought that. We'll have to, uh, we'll have to look into more on that in, a, in another, another episode. But it's pretty interesting. All right, so a little bit about Nietzsche's life. Uh, he was a, a prodigy. So when, when he was at university, at the age of 25, before he had even finished his degree, the University of Basel offered him a professorship in philology. Whoa. Is there anything more annoying than a prodigy? Oh my God, do they <laughs> piss me off. Yeah, and then they get all depressed. <laughs> you didn't earn that. You, you didn't earn that shit. No. I don't know how you got it, but you, didn't des- you don't deserve it. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, you see like these four-year-old prodigies just shredding guitar, and you're like, I don't care that like, it's always a, it's always like a curse though. Like they never amount to anything. These prodigies. That's true. They just get they're, depressed and then they kill themselves later. They're, they're, whoa. Okay. They don't always <laughs> do that, but yeah, it is a common trait. It's because they got nowhere else to go. They're all they were born at the best of their. T- like, yeah. They're born at the top of their game. Where else are they supposed to go? There's no like. There's no you know hero's journey. It's yeah. just like they were born winning. Yeah. And then the game gets boring and they don't know what to do. And their talent is usually like a basically like a parlor trick, like being really good at piano or something. It's like, it actually doesn't translate to, to much in the long term. Yeah. I mean, I've always thought like, what if you're a prodigy, but you really like, you don't really know what you enjoy in life at that age. Maybe you fucking hate piano and you don't realize <laughs> that until you're like an adult, but it's the only thing you're good yeah. at. <laughs> it's, a, it's, ter- it's a curse. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Nietzsche, uh, he was a philologist. Philology is the study of the history of languages. So you've got to, to be a philology professor. You need to understand not just like your own language, but you need to understand the history of your language, the history of the people who spoke your language, of their culture, linguistics, literary analysis, textual criticism. So you have to be pretty serious intellectual to be a philologist. And he, was a, he became a professor at 25, which is ridiculous. Wow. So anyway, he served during the Franco-Prussian War of 1870 to 1871 as a medical orderly, and he contracted, he may have contracted syphilis at this time, which could, have, could be why he went insane. 
Ugh. A one-year war, hey? It's almost like, what? what's the point? A one-year war? Well, I mean, it's, it's the French, right? So it's just... They just had to stitch the flag together. They couldn't find enough white thread. They were surprised it took so long, actually. (laughs) It took a whole year to find the white flag. Jesus. Disorganized. (laughs) We we put it away after the last time, and uh, someone forgot it somewhere. Yeah, that was the crazy war where Germany, where Prussia invades France, captures Paris, and then in Paris create the Empire of Germany. That's where they signed the treaty in Paris. Just big, <laughs> big fuck you. Oh, <laughs> uh, that is a, such a power move. Yeah. Goddamn French. The French, man, I, I don't want to get into it, but holy shit, guys, <laughs> you got to do better. Ironically, Nietzsche's favorite person ever was Napoleon. So, yeah. Really? You guys got Napoleon and you got Daft Punk. Other <laughs> than that, you kind of fucking suck. <laughs> Who's that guy who did the David Guetta, who was like, this one's for George Floyd. <laughs> Dude. Yeah, George would have loved that. Thank you. David Guetta. Like, that guy's not French, though, right? David Guetta? Oh, yeah, he's probably like Italian or something. I don't know. I thought he was French. I think he's Italian. Or A lot of those guys are like Northern Europe, you know, Swedish. Okay. Stuff like that. Yeah. Oh, uh, such bad taste. Such <laughs> the most taste. empty gesture ever. This drops for George. <laughs> it's like this super upbeat song. <laughs> He's on some rooftop in Paris, just like a drink in his hand. Yeah. <laughs> this one's for George. <laughs> All right. So Nietzsche, um, he had to retire from university at the age of 35, 10 years after taking the job because of his health problems. At this point, he started traveling around in Switzerland and Italy. And uh, this is the seems to be the time when he had his uh, his his love life, which is the like the worst love life. This is a this is a brutal love life. Like this is sad. Oh, let's hear it. Not sad in like a tragic sense, but like kind of funny, kind of funny, sad. Okay, so here's the story. This is this is a sad story. <laughs> okay, all right. So Nietzsche is and his friend. His friend was named Re. Right, these two guys. Yeah. They are living in Italy, I think, and they meet this young woman named Lou Salome, who's a, she's like a psychoanalyst. She's 21 years old. She just moved to Germany from Russia. And so Nietzsche's friend, Re, meets her in a coffee shop and he immediately falls in love with her and he proposes marriage. Yeah. Right away in the shop? I don't know, but like pretty quickly. Maybe not, maybe not in the shop. Maybe. Sounds like something they would do back then. <laughs> And so she says, no, instead, she says, how about we live together, not as man and wife, but as brother and sister. And we bring in another man to like be our companion and we live in an academic commune. But, 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 but does that mean we can't own? Is that what he says? So we brother and sister in like the Game of Thrones sense or like, are we doing it? Like, how are we doing this? Like, no, no boning, no boning. She's like, you can live with me, but we can't, can't bone each other. I would rather her just say no. It's like, will you marry me? I think you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Uh, no, but we can be like really good friends. Like I could be like a sister yeah, to you. We can go live together. Okay. <laughs> as long as I can see you every day. Exactly. This Gary guy, he agreed to the proposal. And he was like, and for our third guy, we can get my friend Nietzsche. So Re introduces Salome to Nietzsche. And Nietzsche also immediately falls in love with her. 
Ree's like, okay, she wants a third dude. Who's the most frail, sickly <laughs> human I can think of? Oh, yeah, Nietzsche. <laughs> Nietzsche. <laughs> Oh, this would be a great sitcom. <laughs> yep. He falls in love. There you go. Pitch that to NBC. Yeah, yeah I'd have to think of a good title for that. Yeah. <laughs> so Nietzsche, Nietzsche also proposes marriage. She rejects it, and she's like, no, 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 we can't get married, but you can live with me and Re in like a non-sexual, platonic, academic commune. Oh, this bitch is just collecting simps. Oh, yeah, totally. Totally. <laughs> collecting high-intellect simps. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, so they, so Nietzsche and Ri are like both following this this girl around Europe, and they're looking for a place to have their commune, but they never find a, a good spot. Nietzsche's sister finds out about this, and she's like, she's trying to get Nietzsche away from this this woman. Succubus. Yeah, in the end, Nietzsche is gets really pissed off. Apparently, he tried proposing marriage like three more times, got rejected every time. They finally had a falling out, and he he left. He moved back to uh, Germany, I think. Rough go. Rough go. But it has to happen. Yeah. Can't force love. No. You think a guy as intellectually astute as him would realize that? Yeah, it's pretty, pretty like, pretty astonishing when you think about it. Like, this guy's so smart and here he is. Just what a simp. Like, an utter simp. It's ridiculous. Oh, man. The amount of times I see intellect go right out the window when a man thinks he's in love is just, <laughs> tragic, really. Yeah, so he uh, at this point he started he started writing his books, his his major works Beyond Good and Evil, on the genealogy of morals, and Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Those are his his big books. He spent a whole chapter on the good and evil part, and the evil was this chick that broke his heart. <laughs> Not far from the truth, actually. <laughs> really, <laughs> he did have a lot to say about women, as we'll see. Yeah, now that we've covered what the essence of good is, let me just tell you about evil. It's one person. (laughs) Here are some quotes from Nietzsche about women. These are pretty misogynist, so here's one. um, Quote, thou goest to woman, do not forget thy whip, end quote. Don't forget your wits when you're around women? Whip, with a P, W-H-I-P, whip. Don't forget your quip? Your whip, W-H-I-P. (laughs) <laughs> oh, 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 that's way worse. Yeah. Oh, shit. Don't forget your quip. First, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said wit. I was like, as a don't, like, you know, let your guard down, keep your wits about you. <laughs> then I thought you said quip, which is what I, I thought you're like, make sure you got a little fucking insult in the back <laughs> of your pocket in case she crosses it's... the line. But now you're saying, don't forget your actual yeah, whip. Your whip. <laughs> okay, that progressively got darker. Bertrand Russell had a good burn for that one. He said, uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche said, like, when you, like, don't forget your whip, but he knew nine out of ten women could get the whip off of him. (laughs) (laughs) You weak bitch. Here's another one. Um, Man shall be trained for war, and woman for the recreation of the warrior. All else is folly. Damn. (laughs) This guy has some real strong incel vibes about him. (laughs) Yes. Third one, the most inter- most incel of all of them. Actually, maybe not the most incel, but like the most obvious. Yeah, no, it's pretty incel. We take pleasure in woman as in a perhaps daintier, more delicate, and more ethereal kind of creature. What a treat it is to meet creatures who have only dancing and nonsense in their minds. They have always been the delight of every tense and profound male soul. 
Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's pretty misogynistic. Yeah. Oh, they like to dance, but they're pretty fucking dumb. They're nice <laughs> to look at. This guy's such an incel. Yeah, Major never, yeah, never had any success. He also argues like women should be property. He doesn't have any evidence or reasoning for his claims, but he just says he says this stuff as if it's like a self-evident truth that everybody knows. So clearly living in a bit of a bubble here. He sounds like a bitter boy. Yeah, Little bitter. bitter boy. Very bitter. <laughs> Little bitter butter boy. So uh, laying in his bed. <laughs> so after his sort of run-ins with this girl, he uh, his health got worse and worse. He started taking these huge doses of morphine to help him sleep. He would write morphine prescriptions for himself and sign them Dr. Nietzsche. <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and then on January 3rd, 1889, he suffered a mental breakdown in Turin, Italy and went completely insane, like overnight. Nobody knows exactly what happened. Supposedly, Nietzsche saw two men whipping. That's W-H-I-P-P-I-N-G. Whipping. Okay, not quipping. Not quipping. Whipping an old horse. And Nietzsche ran to the horse and he wrapped his arms around it to protect it. And then he like collapsed and went insane. Supposedly that's what happened, but nobody really knows. Damn. Dude loved horses, eh? Yeah, apparently, yeah. He was a very good uh, horseback rider, actually. <laughs> Don't whip the horse. I said, I said whores, not <laughs> horse. horse. <laughs> <laughs> whipping an old whore. Okay. <laughs> Nietzsche, uh, he, he went more and more insane. He would send messages to his friends in which he would issue commands. Like he commanded that the Pope should be thrown in jail. He claimed to have created the world. He, he went completely nuts. And then he suffered a bunch of strokes and died. Damn. So that was his life. <laughs> well, when you're chugging morphine every night, something's <laughs> bound to happen. Yeah, so nobody really knows how he died, why he went insane. Some people say syphilis. Some people thought he had a brain tumor. Nobody knows for sure. But anyway, so that's, that's his life. And so his philosophy is pretty interesting and extremely influential. And he's, he's like, he's really famous. Hit me. So his main claim to fame was his, his critique of Christianity. So here's a, a quote from Nietzsche about Christianity. What is it that we combat in Christianity? That it aims at destroying the strong, at breaking their spirit, at exploiting their moments of weariness and debility, at converting their proud assurance into anxiety, that it knows how to poison the noblest instincts and to infect them with disease until their strength, their will to power, turns inwards against themselves until the strong perish through their excessive self-contempt and self-immolation. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> what verses is he reading out of the Bible? Uh, well, he loves the Old Testament. <laughs> so he essentially thinks that, the, that Christianity turns like badasses into little baby bitches. Exactly. That's a great way to sum it up. Because of the guilt they, that is instilled into them via Christianity? Yeah, exactly. Because Christianity condemns the things that Nietzsche thinks are praiseworthy. Right. So these are the things Nietzsche thinks it's praiseworthy to have like lots of pride, to have an exuberant spirit. Yeah. These are his terms. Splendid animalism, the instincts of war and conquest, the deification of passion, revenge, anger, adventure, <laughs> voluptuousness, knowledge. This guy really loves the alpha bro stereotype, eh? Yeah. 
Meanwhile, he's like a total invalid. I wonder what he would have thought watching like Jersey Shore. He would have been like, these are the pinnacle of humanity. Oh, no, 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 no. He wouldn't have no respect for them whatsoever. Oh, okay. You have to actually, for Nietzsche to think, Nietzsche has this thing we'll get to called the Superman or the Ubermensch. Oh, did he come up with that term? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, that's him. That's Nietzsche. Oh, fuck yeah. Okay, we got to get to that. Yeah. Yeah. So Nietzsche, Nietzsche, right? He was a philologist. He was, he was like a historian of, of language and thought. So he knew a lot of history. And so he wrote this book called On the Genealogy of Morals, in which he tries to trace the evolution of morality. So he says that in the old days, right, in, in the Greece of like Homer, there was like good and bad. Yeah. And good was, what was good was what that warrior aristocracy had. So they were the masters. They had wealth. They had power, strength, health, security. They were feared. That was good. If you had those things, that's good. Yeah. Big fan of the Spartans, I'm guessing. He loved the Spartans. Yeah. Big fan of the Spartans. Yeah. He thought the bad of morality was to be a slave, to be weak, powerless, and pitied. But Nietzsche was a, he was very influenced by Hegel. So he had this, he believes in this dialectic where there's a thesis and an antithesis. Right. So if master morality is the thesis, then the antithesis is what Nietzsche called slave morality. And in slave morality is an inversion of the master morality. So with the slave morality, good is weakness, powerlessness, poverty, being like not doing anything, not causing any harm to anyone. Yeah. Which is like Christianity and Buddhism, all about like, don't fight evil, turn the other cheek, love the poor, give away all your possessions, don't desire anything, don't desire power, right? Like Jesus renounces all the power, he renounces all the worldly possessions, all that stuff. Right. So, and then uh, evil becomes power and aggression and selfishness and strength. So there are these two conflicting moralities. There's the morality of the masters, which is all about like having, where it's good to have like wealth and power strength and to be feared yeah and then you have the slave morality where it's bad to have those things and so he thought these two things are in tension with each other and in the hegelian idea when you have a thesis and an antithesis they have to do battle and out of them the synthesis will emerge so nietzsche thought that he had figured out the synthesis of these two things so the synthesis i'm just gonna throw out a guess would that just be the change between becoming weak to becoming strong like the 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 the, uh i guess acquirement of strength and power um yeah so the like the synthesis is it's not it's neither it's neither it's he like his i think his next book was called beyond good and evil okay so his synthesis is that like we're actually neither of these moralities is true the master morality is better but neither of them are the full story to get the full story we have to go beyond good and evil Ooh. And so this is the concept of the Ubermensch. Oh. <laughs> yes, the Ubermensch. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, the Overmen. Mustaches are required to become an Ubermensch, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows that. Oh, Nietzsche had a big mustache. Fuck yeah. All right, so here, here is from his, his book, Thus Spoke Zarathustra. Man is something that shall be overcome. What have you done to overcome him? All beings so far have created something beyond themselves. And you want to be the ebb of that great tide and would rather go back to the beast than overcome man? What is the ape to man? 
a laughingstock or a painful embarrassment. And just the same shall man be to the ubermensch, a laughingstock or a painful embarrassment. You have made your way from worm to man, and much within you is still worm. Once you were apes, and even yet man is more of an ape than any ape. Even the wisest among you is only a conflict and a hybrid of plant and ghost. But do I bid you become ghosts or plants? Behold, I teach you the Ubermensch. The Ubermensch is the meaning of the earth. Let your will say the Ubermensch shall be the meaning of the earth. Man is a rope stretched between the animal and the Ubermensch, a rope over an abyss. What is great in man is that he is a bridge and not a goal. Oh, that's wild. So we are like a stepping stone. That made me think that the Ubermensch is going to be, you know, the essentially the singularity AI, right? Yeah. Yeah, it could very well be. That's the Ubermensch. is some sort of robot intelligent superpower that we invent. Could very well be. We're just a means to, be, to stretching between from like the mortal biological weak animals to the immortal powerful android overlords are the ubermensch mm-hmm. yeah like yeah post humans yeah yeah whatever's next is going to be the ubermensch you can't just be an ubermensch as a human is that what he's saying like is it possible to in his eyes were there ever any ubermensches that existed or is like were there any people like i guess you would say like in like fantasy you know any superhero would be considered the ubermensch i guess mm-hmm. yeah so niji uh i'm not sure exactly what he thought about like what who the ubermensch would be or where they would come from like i don't i don't know if he was like okay well so he, he, here's what he he thought he thought uh so in europe right you've got these ruling aristocracies yeah and they ruled europe for thousands of years and who are these aristocracies? Well, they're the descendants of conquerors. They're the descendants of people who came in and took power by force. Yeah. And that's how pretty much most civilizations went for thousands of years. Yeah. And it's like, it's obviously like a fantasy example, but if you probably remember from Game of Thrones, it's pretty clear that every noble house got their nobility by conquering and killing their neighbors. Yeah. That's just the way it goes down. Yeah. That's the way it goes. Yeah, so Nietzsche and Nietzsche believe that those who are who are victorious in war, they're victorious because they are biologically superior to the people they vanquished. So the Ubermensch are biologically superior to the people that they vanquish. I don't think he thought that we are the Ubermensch yet. The Ubermensch are farther down the line. If we continue to let the biologically superior rule and reproduce and breed among themselves. And if they live like a disciplined enough life of like military training and stuff, then eventually they will produce the Ubermensch, will like evolve from them. He liked Darwin a lot, but you know, in a weird way. <laughs> well, I can definitely see why Hitler liked this guy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he wasn't like an Aryan supremacist, I don't think. He was just like a power supremacist. Like, yeah. Whoever dominates should be dominating. Exactly. If you, it, it, it's, it's weird, but yeah, it is sort of like that. It is like, oh, like you, you're victorious. Well, then you, you deserve to be victorious. You deserve to rule. Yeah, that's essentially strength rules all. Mm-hmm. So he thought that, these, that all societies should be aristocracies where a small group of elite 
individuals rules over the masses. Yeah, well, that's very, very Games of Thronesy for sure. And his reason for that is not because he thinks that having like these elites rule over everyone will bring about the best outcome for everyone. On the contrary, that's absolutely not what he thinks. Ah. He thinks that all the masses, right? Anyone who's not an aristocrat is just totally trivial. Their lives are trivial. Their suffering is trivial. Their happiness is trivial. They just don't matter. They're, they don't, they're not part of the equation whatsoever. Well, I'm sure that's, that's, that's what the 1% thinks of everybody else right now. I'm sure. Yeah. I think Jeff Bezos gives a fuck if Sam Laboon is happy. <laughs> probably not. I probably don't function. I'm trivial. Yeah. <laughs> the, only the lives of the great men matter. So to achieve the good, you must let the supermen be super. So the supermen, they are all about courage, resourcefulness, ambition, determination, and uh, yeah, like relentless ambition and the will to have power over others. Morals don't apply to them. Virtue doesn't apply to them. They do what they want. They're supermen. They do what they want. Huh. Damn. They only have duties to their equals. They only have morality like within each other, like duties to each other, but morality doesn't apply to them. They do whatever they want. And that is like the weird sort of morality. Shit. So Julius Caesar would only have to say sorry to Genghis Khan if he stepped on his foot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, he, he thought that, uh, so yeah, like a while ago, I think we said he thought Christianity was a nihilistic religion. And he thought that because religions like Christianity and Buddhism, they old that like all life sort of has equal value yeah and he thought that that was nihilistic (laughs) (laughs) all life has equal value he thought that was nihilism (laughs) the dumbest shit i've ever heard (laughs) so he said that it's nihilistic because if all lives are fundamentally of equal value right like jeff bezos's life is of equal value to a homeless person's life well then why become jeff bezos why not just be like some homeless person who doesn't work or have to do anything because the homeless don't get to go to space obviously yeah (laughs) or do they there's a solution (laughs) there's a it is kind of ironic that this philosophy is coming out of like a frail bedridden pussy uh beta male (laughs) it is right and um bertrand russell points out that like an interesting like he notices this is kind of interesting is that nietzsche thinks that Christianity tells you to love your neighbor because Christians are all like weak and afraid. Ah, like he says, Oh, like this is the re- like you're afraid of your neighbor. So you tell your neighbor that you love him and then he won't hurt you. Ah, I see. God. And, but if you weren't a weak little like bitch, you would tell your neighbor, you would like disdain your neighbor and show all of the feelings of hatred that you actually have for him. <laughs> and Bertrand Russell is like anyone who's so obsessed with power must just constantly live a life of fear because why else would they be so obsessed with with getting power oh yeah for sure yeah i mean nietzsche sounds like he has uh he just wishes he wasn't who he was (laughs) you know what i mean exactly and yeah he, he seems pretty miserable well uh we do have some emails this week a miracle a fall autumn miracle um that we got three emails, actually. And we probably won't be able to get to all of them, but let's just see. I'll, 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 uh, I'll go. And you guys can email us, anyone, uh, at tpspodcast420 at gmail.com. So uh, get it in. Put it in. Uh, let's see. 
Do, 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 do. Okay, this first email is, hey, you guys should do a Jordan Peterson episode. You could even go through his 12 rules for life and discuss each of his arguments. You could also discuss his influence on contemporary culture, whether you think it's good, bad, or both. He's an important contemporary philosophical figure, even if he's controversial. So I think he's worth discussing. That is from a one of our original listeners who will remain anonymous by request. Awesome. That's how controversial Jordan Peterson is. <laughs> yeah, I think we should we should do that. Um, but we are going to do an episode on a fellow by the name of Karl Marx. So I think we should do Jordan Peterson after Karl Marx. After Karl Marx. Okay, so we will do a uh, episode on Jordan Peterson eventually. So stay tuned, anonymous listener. <laughs> Um, and this next one, so we got two more, one by our, one of our favorite listeners that is known only as La Grande. <laughs> um, but we will have to do his next week okay. because All it's right. quite, uh, he's asking a lot. So we might have to do, um, you know, skip, give ourselves some time at the end of the next episode to answer his, but we have another email. Oh. By another longtime listener, a loyal fan. Ferdinand? No, not Ferdinand. Ah. <laughs> uh, I, she is a uh, comedian, comedian uh, known as Bonnie Essen. Oh, nice. Very funny. Very good person. She writes, Hi, philosopher team. Long-time listener, second-time writer. Appreciate it, Bonnie. I am just listening to your latest episode about that old-school fuckboy, <laughs> Rousseau, and a few absurd questions came to mind. First, what would be the philosophy of the fuckboy? Mm. Fuck often and pass blame? Chase young and old booty in equal measure? Never leave the financial yoke of your parents? These are just some ideas. The main question I have is what do you think your legacies would sound like if they were written by your enemies, Ooh. comic rivals, or those who just didn't like you? Keep up the great work and keep the pizza ideas coming. Oh, she, we did discuss her pizza ideas. See, the people like the food talk. They like it. People like the food talk. I'm making some pasta <laughs> after this. This is going to be phenomenal. I'm going to do a peppercorn sauce, I think. Oh. Um, I find adding a bit of Emmental cheese creates a nice cheese pulled Ooh. flavor. Emmental. I don't know if I know what that is. Do you know what that is? Emmental. I've heard of it for sure. Yeah. I'm going to try that. Emmental. Well, look into the Emmental. So, what is the philosophy of the fuckboy? I mean, Rousseau basically, I think, like, if the fuckboys were like able to, you know, have someone to look to for a life philosophy, they might, they might be drawn to Rousseau, who it's essentially, um, me, 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 me is what it is. And you don't have to think about what your actions and how they affect anyone else because you really, truly are an asshole. And that's all that matters. As long as you're not faking it, you're good. As long as you're following your heart, it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, that brings up a question. Is the modern fuckboy, when I think modern fuckboy, I think chains and a tilted hat, mm. um, dopey look on their face, Walk slow, will not hesitate to get in a fist fight with their pants halfway down their ass. <laughs> but that's just one breed of fuckboy. That's the kind of the more, you know, born out of the hip hop culture fuckboy. But we got other fuckboys. We got gym fuckboys, right? The, the, the guys who just like, I don't have much to offer inside. So I'm just going to take as much space as I can on the outside and just get swole, fucking swole. And she brings up a point. I think. 
that fuckboys are motivated 100% almost by uh, sexual pursuits. So I think that their philosophy truly, these, these, the, uh, the, the, the getting huge in the gym, the trying to look like a rapper, the uh, flaunting of any sort of wealth, whether it's true or not, is all tactics to acquire the fashina. Mm. And that, I think, is the philosophy of the fuckboy. By any means necessary, whatever you have to do to attract more poontang is what you do, despite whether or not anyone else around you respects you for it. What do you think, Sam? Yeah, I think that's probably about right. I think philosophers closest to that, or maybe not philosophers, maybe uh, that poet Byron, he was a big romantic guy. He would have been a fuckboy probably. Yeah, you're not. You're the opposite of a fuckboy. I think I might have dipped my toys, my to- my toys, my toes <laughs> into the fuckboy philosophy at a younger age when real when I was in the throes of puberty and all I cared about was girls. But oh yeah, everybody does. Yeah, everybody does. Yeah, and uh, I remember you know acting and 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 behaving in ways that I might not have if I say was asexual. <laughs> um, but uh, she also. So let's go to her main question here. What do you think your legacies would sound like if they're written by your enemies, comic rivals, or those who just didn't like you? Mm. So I don't know. I I think most people are, I don't know, maybe not most people, but I like to pretend there aren't a whole lot of people that don't like me. (laughs) And the thought of, (laughs) I just don't, I don't, uh, I, I, I try to, I try to convince myself of that regularly. Yeah. Well, I know if my enemies wrote my life, it would all be lies because well, they would be liars. My enemies would be liars. <laughs> Only liars would be my enemies. Well, actually, Bonnie, Bonnie wrote this question in at a uh, at an interesting time because th- this week we have a roast in the Kelowna comedy scene. Oh. So I am roasting a guy who really I don't know very oh. well. Um, so we'll see what he comes up with. But... I'm sure other other people. I know what types of things people are going to make fun of me for, mm-hmm. just because they they attack the same things every time we have a roast, uh-huh. and um, mostly it's physical attributes, <laughs> um, which I'm fine with because I can't change those. Uh, comedians really have I've found over doing a bunch of roasts that the soft spots for comedians they can be made fun of for. Any number of things, right? Most comedians' appearances, they get attacked for their appearances. That shit rolls off their back because they've heard it all before. But what they really don't like is when you attack their comedic stylings. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 by far the worst. (laughs) Oh yeah, they fucking hate it. That's when the roast becomes personal. (laughs) Yeah, that's you say what you want about my mother, but you leave my comedy out of this. Don't talk about my (laughs) punchlines. Yeah. Comedians have a pretty big callus built up over them, over everything except for their their comedy being critiqued by other comedians. Yeah. They really, it, it can be really painful. I remember a, uh, uh, one of the first roasts I did, I got made fun of for having my, my jokes being too long and, and always fizzling out instead of ending with a bang. <laughs> and I really fucking hated that. And now I tried it. Like, it actually made me want to, like, rewrite all my jokes. Good. But I didn't because fuck you. <laughs> Fizzles are where it's at. So I hope that answered some of the question. Uh, we'll get to Lagrande's question next week. So uh, 
Real Grande, if you're listening, don't don't get at me about not answering your question this week, okay? <laughs> and as to the anonymous listener, we will eventually get around to uh, the Jordan Peterson because I I agree with him. He's very influential, 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 influential these days, and also very divisive. Yeah, either people hate him or love him is what I've found. So yeah, we will do an episode about him. Anything else to add, Sam? Nope. Uh, we've got two more episodes until our big. 52nd episode, which will be our big, big episode. We're going to do, uh, I guess I should, I'll just say right now, like we're going to do the 52nd episode will be about Karl Marx. So tune in for that one for sure. That'll be really good. You should marks your calendars for that one. (laughs) Boom. That's it, folks. Talk to you next week.